Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homey. I am your host, and I am once again honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. Welcome to 2024. This is one of the first episodes we're recording for 2024, and I am so excited about this one. But before we do that, I want to tell you just a little bit about the Business Creators Radio Show for those of you who may be new to us. We have kind of a mastermind format here where we delve deep into topics. So imagine yourself sitting in a cafe somewhere, being that third person just sort of sitting in and observing a conversation and looking for those aha moments and those pieces of brilliance that can change your trajectory or at least move you a little bit closer to your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Also, I don't have one of those $25,000 Hollywood studios, which is perfectly okay. In fact, uh, you may have heard a car alarm going off in the background. I am sitting out here on my balcony in beautiful, sumptuous Las Vegas, known to some as the hottest city in America. Well, not necessarily today because it's early January, but I take advantage of every day I can sit outside. It is nice. And what we're going to be discussing today is the secret sauce to building the life of your dreams. Tyler Woodall came to me a few weeks ago on LinkedIn asking if he could be on the show. And as soon as he shared with me a little bit about his background, which I'm going to have him tell you about, I got really, really excited. So I said, absolutely. Just head on over to the website, uh, fill out the official information form. We'll get you right on. And that's what we've done. So Tyler, as I said, he's going to tell you his story. He's a serial entrepreneur. He built and grew an insurance agency from zero to seven figures in under two years. And now he operates a company that helps businesses to automate themselves and get back their time. And I can never get enough of this topic. Tyler Woodall, welcome aboard. Come on in. The weather's fine. Man, thank you so much. I am excited to get to chat. I, uh, I'm sitting in cold Atlanta, Georgia right now. Um, so I would be dying for, for some sunlight. Not sure how much warmer <laughs> it is there in Vegas. Yeah, I was just chatting with somebody from Atlanta, and uh, she was telling me that it is really, really cold down there. Um, that uh, that she is uh, at night. She uses a hair dryer to keep warm because that's how cold <laughs> it is. So, uh, and uh, and also our podcast producer uh, for this show is in Dallas, Georgia, which is not too far from Atlanta, okay. I yeah. believe. Small world. Yeah, Thank absolutely. You. Yeah. So, uh, what we like to do here is before we get into some of the stuff that you want to share with us and in the green room you gave us a few points to ponder is we'd like to pull back the curtain i read off your official bio it's it's pithy yet it's so impressive i'm not sure i'm worthy to be in your presence and this is my show (laughs) but uh, let's pull back the curtain have you tell us in your own words a bit about your journey and then i'll tell bring you to where you are serving from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion 
For sure. So I got started um, in the entrepreneurial realm young. I was always looking for ways to make money, be it when I was in middle school, going to Sam's Club and buying Snickers bars to go sell at school or uh-huh. then a, a T-shirt brand when I was in college. But really first kind of big boy business was after college. I'd worked in the commercial insurance realm for a while. I eventually bought my book of business, went out and started uh, my own agency and had a great time doing that, was able to grow. But like many entrepreneurs ran into the issue of, man, I have no time and I am miserable in my life. I was Uh pursuing what I thought was success in growing a business, but I ultimately was just killing myself because I had to spend all of my time and all of my peace trying to work on this business. And uh-huh. um, so last year I actually had to put down my dog in February. So that was 11 months ago. And during that period, I well, thank you. During that period, I reflected on what do I want my life to look like? And I completely changed everything, ultimately sold that business. Um, in that process, I ended a relationship that had been going on for a few years, um, ultimately have moved, doubled down on a business I thoroughly enjoyed, started pursuing my bucket list, traveled all over the world last year, um, and really feel like I'm getting to live life on my terms. And it's been incredibly liberating. And I truly do just want to try and give value wherever I can and show people what's possible whenever they get very focused for six to 12 months on what they want their life to look like. Right. Right. So that is the quintessential thing. Like I'm in a place right now where my business is beginning to grow into multiple streams of revenue. And I am just thinking, where the heck am I going to have time for this? We're right here at the beginning of 2024 and we're recording this. I was going to do some, you know, in the business work over the holiday week, but I was just so fried because in 2023, there was not a single holiday I didn't work through. None of them. I went through every single one. So I just basically, um, and I, and I had even said, uh, you know, we were going to deliver certain things over that week between Christmas and new year's. And I just simply notified the clients that now we're going to hit pause. We'll start again after January 1st. And then I got back on January 2nd, my sleep cycles were way off. So I spent those three days, that first half week of 2024, uh, suffering from a severe case of uh, that malady known as dragon ass. <laughs> so I spent the so I spent the following weekend, uh, which is you know the weekend I just finished before we have this conversation, and I reprogrammed it and um, back to taking the the melanin and valerian, the you know the natural sleep aids. Yeah. I'm feeling like about a zillion bucks right now. I just got to be consistent with this. I'm ready to rock and roll. I've uh, got a new stream of revenue. I'm ready to roll with. Uh, just, it just kind of came to me while I was taking a little bit of time off and allowed my brain to clear. So that's actually my first question to you is you mentioned that it was, I don't know if the phrase you used was crushing your soul or it was just really overwhelming you. The fact that with all the stuff you had to do in your business, you just didn't have time. And when I get that feeling, it, what it does is destroys my creativity. Part of the work that I do is I do ghostwriting and I can't even ghostwrite when I'm in that space because my brain just, it's like, it's like, it's like, you know, it's like an old lawnmower and, you're, and it just won't catch. So what have right. you found to help you deal with that? So dealing with the just stress and overload, a lot of times it's just, 
going to a whiteboard and trying to put down everything that is a stressor in my life at the moment. I want to put it on the board, clearly define it, put it into its box and say, what is this piece? Um, and then prioritize what needs to get done right now. What are pieces on here that I can cross off really quickly that will make me feel better about myself? And I generally attack a few of those first. And then I go after um, the pieces that are going to move the needle the most. Right, 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 right. And sometimes I even find a challenge with that. It's like, I don't know if it's that I just don't want to deal with it or that I'm just so fried that I can't even think what are the stressors. Right. I get it. 100%. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, now what's fascinating in our early chats here is, you know, you have, you know, found a way to automate businesses uh, to automate themselves. Now, do you deal strictly with insurance agencies or is it more broad? So probably 70% of our revenue, maybe 75 comes from insurance agencies, just because that's where my experience really was uh, kind of built. But we do work with lots of different types of businesses, contractors, accountants, etc. Um, so we've got a, wall, a pretty broad width that we work with um, obviously for insurance agencies, I can just use the same blueprint that I built for myself for other businesses it takes a little bit longer just because I have to learn their niche a little more, learn what softwares there are available to help with automation and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what are some of the things that you've discovered in terms of how you've done the automation and the system? So let's start broad and then we'll pick it apart. Yep. So the way that I got started with this was a book called The E-Myth written by Michael Gerber. And if uh -huh. anybody's never read it, I would recommend it. Basically, it talks about the entrepreneurial myth, kind of like what you and I were talking about. Every entrepreneur starts somewhere else, decides they're going to start their own business. They really create a crappy job for themselves. They work 80 hours a week for maybe less money than they were paid before, but all of the stress. And so Gerber in this book teaches how to build out standard operating procedures, put your business into different lanes, and then clearly define those job roles for each lane. And eventually you start delegating that to other people. And so what I did is I clearly defined what is every step of my business. So I have to go out and find a lead online, and then I have to get them to say yes to getting a quote. Then I gather the information, quote the person, present the quote, find it with the carrier, and then future customer service. So lots of different pieces. But once that's defined, then you can type out step-by-step -step how to do those things. And then I recorded videos in a software called Loom um, showing myself doing them. And so 150 of these standard operating procedures later, I had my business documented. And then what I did is I started hiring virtual assistants based out of the Philippines. You can go online and find them for fairly inexpensive. And I started hiring these virtual assistants and handing them job tasks that were possible to be done by a non-licensed person inside of an insurance agency. Um, and using those standard operating procedures, <laughs> I was able to train someone extremely quickly to handle those tasks. And they would do it pretty much with the same proficiency as I would because they can watch a video of me doing it. Um, so that was the first piece that I went down that road. Right, 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 right. Absolutely. So 
tell me about some of the lanes, because this is something that I'm looking to innovate even more, not only for my own business as we expand our offerings, but also in my work with my clients. I have one in particular who is uh, going undergoing a major transformation in how their team works. And what we're discovering is that all the lanes changed. So just give you a little bit of background to their story while keeping them anonymous. Uh, their longtime operations manager had to leave abruptly. And then a new operations manager came in who has a completely different set of skills. Now, some of these skills actually resolve some of the challenges that business had been facing up until then. But at the same time, this shift happened very abruptly while there was a lot of activity to get a lot of things implemented in the business. And we and we found ourselves in kind of an ad hoc situation where things needed to get done and there were different understandings of how to do it. And there was a lot of, hello, you there? You there? And, uh, uh, hey, uh, I submitted this. What are we doing with it? Where is it? Uh, are you going to respond to this? And then, you know, me finding out that things got done that were formerly my work without me even knowing it and a little bit of vice versa as well candidly so it's led to some you know some stuff now it's evolving and things are coming into place but what i'm really interested in is your thoughts on a situation like that where all of a sudden the lanes change because particularly in a small business the particular set of skills that one member of the team can have can dramatically change the operational flow right so in situations like that right wrong or indifferent a lot of times whenever we're changing up processes we oftentimes hire or move around team members based on those skill sets and we have very specific job roles i try not to have people doing overlap unless it's a managerial role where they're managing a team of people doing a few different tasks for example a marketing director is going to be somebody that's over my email marketing person, my media buyer slash ads person, uh, my cold direct message person. But other than that, I have specific roles for each people and each person inside the company just for that reason, to make sure that there's not things getting missed, um, others working on different tasks and they're not sure who's doing what. And obviously, like there's always going to be some element of that. But at this point, we've got 70 plus team members right now. And mm -hmm. we're able to run very efficiently just because of very specific job roles. And then we use project management softwares. Each team has something different. Uh, but by and large, we use Asana. And basically, it's just a project management tool, kind of like Monday or anything like that, where we can track the progress stages of projects we're working on that way myself I can come into the business and see where is my marketing team on this campaign or building out this automation whatever it may be yeah and that actually is part of it right there is changing how all the automations work uh, uh, and changing the need for a review process simply because there are different sets of competencies so that was one small piece of it and then another is you have and, and again, this is something that I've actually become very curious about, particularly with going through this experience, is the impact of one team member change on a smaller business. And this is something that entrepreneurs have the ability to benefit greatly from, 
it's just a matter of sometimes needing to navigate it because it can happen abruptly. Right. I get that for sure. Yeah. So, um, so taking this to another level, now what I want to do is I want to speak about the handling of incoming leads and also marketing opportunities. Because what a lot of entrepreneurs in the in our particular target demographic here at the Business Creators Radio Show, which is um, one to five contractors and uh, somewhere between 150 and 250 in gross receipts. That's one of our sweet spots in terms of our audience. Another are startups that are just getting to the point where they're moving into revenue. So this is where this type of stuff really come comes in. So you know, one of my, you know, so one of the things I'm thinking about is when you're in those situations with all the activity that's going on around you. Sometimes I'm going to start here. You just get so tired, you can't even follow up on your leads. Right. For sure. So the way that I do that is again through automation. So. Um, most of my leads come in through Facebook ads or various channels like that. But if it's coming in through one of my marketing team members, we have a form that everyone fills out that's pretty standardized. It's just going to ask name, email, phone, what product they're interested in, and then notes from the conversation. Every single time one of my marketing team members has a conversation and generates a lead, they're going to fill out one of these forms or book a slot in a calendar using the same Calendly link that a client would or a prospect would fill out. And we use a software called Zapier and Zapier is going uh-huh. to take that form or Calendly and upload it into our pipeline in the corresponding stage. And really what you have to do is just plan out what the customer journey is going to look like on paper and then go build it out. And so based on what stage that prospect goes into, they're going to get a series of automated texts and emails to work towards getting them to book an appointment with my team. You can get fancy with this and you can tie in ChatGPT with a chatbot and have an actual conversational AI going with this client to try and book. I'm one of the keep it simple, stupid people um, and just try and make things as simple as possible. Uh, So that's how we do it, just with a series of automated text messages and getting people to book in our calendar that way. So again, it's not always foolproof. There is going to be some dialing out on these leads to keep them moving forward in the pipeline, but it's a way to get in an additional six to 12 touches without myself or my team member having to just slave over talking to every one of our leads on the phone immediately. Absolutely. So, um, so my next question is, is, you know, a lot of my clients and my business are trying to achieve that as well. So, but at the same time, one of the pushbacks or maybe the drawbacks that I see is how do you accomplish that in such a way where it interests the prospect? Because I find myself like I sign up for webinars, I download special reports like anybody does in search of knowledge. And I find myself on all kinds of these automated things some of which are multivariate which combine emails with social media outreach with text outreach and i am starting to see some chatbots that start to reach out to me as well uh now because i'm in the game i know the game and i'm saying okay this is uh 
this is that person that I, I bought their $7 book because I was looking for the answer to the one question. Mm -hmm. I got it. It was great. Um, and, uh, and at some point, I might actually be interested in working with them further. But maybe I'm just not there right now. And when I and when I see the approaches, which tend to be somewhat standardized, I'm thinking, okay, how long do I have to read through all this before uh, before they give up on me and move me to their inactive list? Right. So I what I so what we're looking for is for folks who may be as I just described, somebody who is thinking, yeah, you know, this sounds interesting. I might want to do it sometime. I'm not feeling that it's necessarily my top priority. But what do we do to get them to say, well? damn, I got to do this. Right. Again, so in the space, you probably listen to Alex Hermosi, and I'm a big fan of his. Of course. Making your free stuff better than your competition's paid stuff. We try to ascribe to that set of thinking. So I send out tons of free guides, automation tools, templates for people to have for their follow-up campaigns. Like, for example, if an insurance agency needs a quote follow-up or a presented quote follow-up um, sequence. We send stuff like that out all the time. That's not per se what I do, but it's just trying to find ways to over-deliver value so that they think, wow, these guys really know what they're doing. This is what they're doing for free. Let me see what their paid stuff looks like. Yeah. That's been a mantra I've lived by since I began in businesses. Uh, leave them with the feeling of, Oh my God, if this is the free version, I got to get that paid version. Right. Yeah. So, you know, we, we use the standard term over deliver, but to me, you know, the way I look at that is it's, you know, over delivering is great, but it's really about just finding what it is that they need to resolve right now and saying, here it is. I did this for you. Uh, back in the day, and we're going to go back about maybe a little over 10 years from now. Uh, this is when website conversion consulting was really a separate discipline, and there were a lot of companies involved in it, and one of them was mine. Uh, and this is back when One Shopping Cart was one of the innovators in the in the uh, you know email marketing product sales niche. And so, a big question at the time was. How do I customize the one shopping cart order forms to make them look like my website? Uh, so they so you don't have that fluorescent effect between the attractive website and the plain form. And how do I get my language on the form that I use to uh, to reaffirm their decision once they clicked add the cart to actually have them complete the cart? And so I filmed a video and put it on YouTube on how to do that. My my JV partner said, well, why are you doing that? Why are you positioning yourself as a, as a techie? Aren't you a website conversions guy? And I said, well, A, yeah, this is about website conversions. B, this is a question I get a lot. And C, you know, those last three clients I booked, I told you about, where do you think they came from? They were, look, they were looking for the answer to that question. I gave it to them. And that raised their curiosity about what else I knew about website conversions. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. So part of it, I think, is just the good old fashioned way of speaking with your marketplace and finding out what it is that they are, what they're looking to accomplish. And uh, yeah, another part of it is, uh, and again, what I'm looking for is how we use these automated sequences, uh, some of which are multivariate, to 
get them to say, oh, wait, this one's actually really interesting to me. I'm getting a lot of these because of all the stuff I downloaded, but right. this one right here, this is the one I want. Right. So one of the things for anybody that's listening to this that may be newer in business that you potentially don't know your client base as well one simple framework you can do is go over to ChatGPT and type in, hey, my business does X, insert whatever your business does. We work with Y, whatever prospect you work with, and just say, what are the top 10 or 20 pain points that they face in their day-to-day -day lives slash in their business? And GPT will tell you 10 to 20 things, and it's generally pretty accurate. Now, you're going to get into some repetitive pieces but it's enough that you'll have something to go off of. And then you can just ask it, hey, which of these items are the greatest pain points and help me create guides that will solve those problems based on what I do. And then that, within an hour, you can have a pretty worthwhile marketing slip that you can use. Now, again, you need to mix in your secret sauce um, and whatever it is that your company does best. But a lot of times, if you're just giving value that shows that you're a thought leader in the industry, it doesn't even have to be about what you do. That's what I've seen with the most success is things that don't involve my product tend to show, wow, this guy really understands what I'm going through and is adding value to my life. So let me repeat that back to you to make sure I, I heard that. Uh, sometimes... It could be about the pain points of the business, but other times it could be just about rather than a rote list of, you know, here's what Tyler Woodall does for me. Uh, he can do A, B, C, D, and E. It's more just showing that, hey, man, Tyler gets me. Yep. Yeah. When, when they realize, wow, he understands my pain better than I can explain it, they know that you're the person that they can trust to solve the rest of their problems. Yeah, I I, I, I like this. So, And I stole is, that phrase from somebody. That was a book, and I, I would try and I'd credit the person, but I don't remember who <laughs> I read that from. Yeah, I, I, got, I got you. So um, here's, here's another tactic that we're seeing in the industry, and this is something that, you know, a lot of people I know are trying to, boil down is they'll create a short educational video with an invitation to apply for something or to book something or what have you. Is this something that your firm works with? So I like book a call funnels. We have recently we've shifted more into just downloading a free guide or filling out a short form to get some information. Uh oh, I think I accidentally muted for a second, but we've wanted to go heavy on volume as far as leads and then have an appointment setter kind of work with these people to fact find. But yeah, I do like the book a call features just so that somebody can immediately um, book and get some more information. Does that answer your question or I, I may not be understanding exactly. Okay. So actually it's kind of headed in the right direction. So uh, I guess one, you know, one of the things I'm looking to figure out is what do you find to be the most effective call to action? Is it book a call? Is it um, request more information? Is it uh, fill out a short survey or questionnaire and then request a response? Like what, what, what do you find to be the most effective way? And there may not be one answer, obviously, because there rarely is. 
Right. So the way that I do things is I try to go for volume. So I try to take as much friction out of the process as I can. So generally I do learn more or get more information, download the free guide, et cetera. And the people will put in name, email, phone number, and maybe one or two qualifying questions. Mm-hmm. And we'll send over the resource packet, et cetera. And then in our follow-up is how we warm the person up to qualify them for a sales call. Now, if somebody has more money and doesn't want to take the time, you can qualify leads more on the front end. It's just going to cost you a lot more. We want to go volume and pick up as much data as we can for the long-term play. But if you're trying to get really quick sales and you're fine spending more per lead, the more you qualify them, you can say book a call now and you can send them straight to a Calendly booking page that asks them three to five questions about where they're at right now. And that's going to be a really hot lead. So it just comes down to whichever way you're trying to, to play it right now. Right, right. So if you're spending more on the front end on qualifying the lead, then you can accelerate the process and rather than send them an educational video or get or infotainment or anything like that, you can just go straight to book a call. And then within the, whether you're using Calendly or OneTub, because they all do it, is just ask your questions there. So rather than put the step there of, I need you to apply before I decide I want to speak with you, just let them book. Yeah, exactly. And so yeah. if you see that they're not going to qualify for that sales call, generally the way that I do it is I'll just go ahead and cancel it and say, hey, it looks like we may not be a great fit. Here's some resources that I think may be beneficial for you. Um, if there's anything else we can do, let us know. And I hate to do that, but it's just if somebody's not going to be a fit for what we do, that's just how we handle it. And I don't want to waste my sales team's time or yeah. my time. Yeah, and you know, you know here, and here's another way of looking at that too. And I'm so glad you said that because this is something that I believe as well. If you make it easier for somebody to get on your calendar, but you look at it and it's like they're just not going to fit, then you know, just cancel it or what have you. Or yeah. if you're not sure if they qualify, there's no reason you can't just you know reach out by email or messenger or what have you have you and say, hey, I you know I you know thank you very much for booking a call with me. I see we're on for Thursday. Just real quick to help me get ready for this, uh, could you tell me a little bit more about X? Right. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, and if they and if what they tell you about X disqualifies them, you can just kind of nudge them off. Or you might find that they're actually a warmer prospect than you expected. So it's just a matter of just matter of the opportunity. So what I'm hearing here is all things being equal, make it easier for them to connect with you and then reserve for yourself the option to steer it in a different direction if you don't feel that it's going to be the best use of everybody's time. Right. I'm a fan of that. Yeah. Okay. I'd put, put the ball in my court allow myself and my team to have more control over the process. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, and and I'm starting I'm starting to warm to what you're saying here simply because it's also easier to implement. I mean, most people these days have some sort of scheduling thing and you can always just make another booking form and add a couple questions to it or you can just have one that's generic enough you could deploy it through multiple different different applications. Yep, exactly. Great. 
great. I I I like I like this a lot. See, my main business is working with entrepreneurs to launch your podcast, and then we also have um, a company that manages podcasts. So one of the things that we work on is how do we not only pre-qualify guests who want to be on the show, but also facilitate them getting on the show. I'm going to use our interaction, yours and mine, as an example. You reached out to me on LinkedIn expressing an interest to be on the Business Creators Radio Show, which means you heard about us somewhere. Where did you hear about us? It was on LinkedIn, and I truly don't I don't know how it came up. I know it's been a few months or a few weeks, so I'm not yeah, sure. It's, it's been like four weeks, but okay, but you raise a good point right there. You don't remember exactly how. Exactly. Just somewhere along the line, you saw it. Maybe it showed up on your news feed because you and I have mutual connections. Who knows? But the thing is, you saw it and you thought to yourself, I would like to be part of this. So far with me? Yeah. So you you DM me on LinkedIn asking to be on the show and you gave me some basic information. And my response to you was pretty straightforward, which is, yeah, sure, this looks interesting. We just need you to go fill out the form. And you did that. And you did a good job with it, too. You gave me what I needed. So... We design our, and sometimes they're called application forms, sometimes they're called intake forms, sometimes they're called um, information forms, just whatever it is. And the reason I do that is, and you saw mine, it's because we want to get you to tell us what it is that's unique about you so that we know how to market you because we want this to benefit you as well as, you know, in addition to us. Furthermore, we want you to tell us a bit about where to shine the spotlight in the conversation. So regardless of where we go with it, we make sure we hit all of your points that are important to your business. See, what I what I just irritates me to no end is when booking agencies contact us, even the ones who know that there's a form that, that, that they fill out and we even tell them, don't even send us the damn pitch emails, just go fill it out. But we get these long, 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 long emails to start with some, you know, some contrived icebreaker. It's like, it's like, I know you're an agent. I know you're trying to place your guests. I don't need an icebreaker. Just tell me what you <laughs> tell, just, just tell me I'm a businessman. All right. Uh, so that's the first piece of it. And the second piece of it is then they'll go on with like seven different potential topics for the interview. And I'm thinking, A, did you look at my show and try and figure out or at least narrow this down, which one you think might be the most impactful? And B, what you know, you, you know your client better than I do. What are they trying to accomplish right now? And if you don't know what your client is trying to accomplish, you might want to do a check-in with them just to see how things are going with your booking services and where you'd like to and where right. they'd like to get the most impact. I mean, this is just simple business stuff. So when you make so what it really comes down to is the more you make me think, the less I will. The more you make it easy for me. See, you, although you didn't just go to my you didn't just go to my because the Business Creators Radio Show has its own website that describes what it is. You didn't just go there and figure it out for yourself. You just DM me. That's fine. But you were concise about what it was you were looking for. I could scan what you typed, which for all I know, you sent to 10 other podcasters as well. And that's fine if you did. And uh, and I could see, all right, this is what Tyler's here for. I get the gist of this. This fits. Let's get him on. Right. Yeah. So... The reason I bring this up is I think it's a philosophy that should go into lead generation 
as well, is give them the opportunity to qualify themselves, but do it in such a way where if they're organized, they know what the hell they're doing. Right. I like that. Yeah. Cool. 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 So where I want to, so where I want to go next is, uh, you know, we're about two thirds of the way through this and 2023 was a hell of a year. In fact, I posted on my Facebook that it's like, you know how at the end of the year, everybody types what they're grateful for in 2023. And I said, you know what I'm grateful for about 2023 is that it's over. And I hope the door hits it in the ass on the way out. <laughs> right. It was a freaking awful year. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, read the lines of how I'm supposed to show gratitude and, and, uh, and magnanimity and all that. It's like the year freaking sucked. I'm done with it. I just want to draw the line. So with that, that's got me thinking about, and a lot of other folks the same way, because 2023 is just, I mean, I've had many conversations with that. It was just, it was just a year for the books in terms of some of the weird stuff that happened. So now let's talk about the dream life. First of all, how do you define the dream life? Right. So I think it's going to vary for everybody. For myself, I just wanted to be able to have freedom of my time. So I wanted to get to spend my time doing things that I like and enjoy. For me, that's travel, adventure, etc. So last year, I did a heavy dose of that, went and saw the Northern Lights in Iceland, went and climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, went on a safari, bounced around several countries in Europe. I just got to go experience and see things that I wanted to do. Um, and so I think for anybody, just take, take an hour, spend an hour, put your phone on do not disturb, sit down in front of a notepad and write out, if I had my perfect life, what would it look like? Where would I spend my time? What would I do during my day? What time do I wake up? What do I eat? What do I wear? Who do I talk to? Every piece of it. And then back into it. What would it cost to live that lifestyle? And be a little bit aggressive and uh, probably conservative. Go over on what that number is. And then back into how do I earn that much money to fund that lifestyle? And... <clears throat> Then you just break it down into chunks. How quickly do I want to be able to live this lifestyle? I would recommend somebody says six to 12 months in advance. And that gives you a while to start taking chunks out of it. Don't try and do it all tomorrow because generally won't happen. Yeah, um, it's on me. So just take chunks out of it. And over the course of half a year to a year, um, you'd be shocked how close you get to those things. And that's truly what it took me probably six months uh, before I was able to get to the point where <laughs> I was able to live the life that I wanted. And it kind of snuck up on me. Uh, I had forgotten about that list and I revisited it. And I was like, you know, my, my business has grown past this point and I'm not living the life of my dreams yet. Is that because it's not what I want? Or is it because I didn't have the self-confidence to go start living it now? Um, and so then I got more aggressive about booking trips and getting to do more of what I wanted to do. Yeah. What is Tyler's dream lifestyle? Um, honestly, the life I get to live right now is so much fun. So I've got roughly 70 people on my team now. They're able to do things that I am not good at or I do not enjoy doing. And I get to spend my time doing things that I like. So I get on sales calls when I want to. Outside of that, I have team members that handle other sales calls. I still really enjoy that. Um, I get to spend time on our marketing campaigns and big ideas about where we're going next. 
I get to work on strategic partnerships. But outside of that, if I want to take off tomorrow and go hike up a mountain or go skydiving, <laughs> I'm going to go do that. Um, so generally, I get to be in control of my calendar. And a lot of times it does get booked up with sales calls or whatever it may be. Um, so if I can plan <laughs> little adventures a week or two in advance, I can. Um, but Kilimanjaro, for example, I booked on six days notice. Uh, I'd been chatting with a tour company. I just happened to look at flights one day and they had dropped for the next week. And so I emailed the tour company, hey, you have a guy that can take me up the mountain in six days. They emailed back, yes. And so I booked the flights right then. Um, and so it's just the freedom to get to um, go have fun and also get to try and make a difference when I can. Yeah. See, for me, I moved to Las Vegas 10 years ago. I'm originally from southwestern Pennsylvania. Okay. Reason, the reason I came to Las Vegas is the way my business grew, a lot of my clients and a lot of my activity and the events I went to and such were actually out in this part of the world. So mm -hmm. Las Vegas, Los Angeles, San Diego, Phoenix, those four cities is where a lot of the action was. My accountant looked at, yeah, who knows more about my money than I do looked at it and said, you know, dude, you are floating a lot of travel expenses that we're not paying down here, and you're going to the same place. What if you move there? And that kind of got me thinking a little bit. And then, some, and I covered this on another one of my episodes, I actually had a dream one night that uh, propelled me to just make the decision that, damn it, I'm going to Las Vegas. And it happened right after the, right after the Independence Day, um, weekend of 2013 and i looked at it and i said you know what i actually have the money i can make this move and i also have time so i don't have to do it immediately because the lease on my current apartment expires on october 30th so i can set a goal right now that october 30th rather than renew that lease i'm packing up and i'm leaving wow and that's then to keep this relatively short that's what i did so then i i designed what is Las Vegas going to look like for me? And I create a vision for it. So I was going to live in a nice apartment community. Uh, I was going to have a unit that has a really nice balcony with a great view from it. Uh, looking forward to at least 10 months out of the year being able to sit out on the balcony at night with a cigar in my laptop and be creative. Uh, and I also wanted to live somewhere that had a swimming pool that was open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year with a jacuzzi that actually worked for and it was too cold to get in the pole. <laughs> so when I first moved out here, I actually rented a duplex in HOA hell. And the reason for that is because I had a girlfriend at the time who was supposed to follow me out here with her kids. Now, you know how that works out. So it doesn't. So, <laughs> so I'm about four months out here. The relationship doesn't pan out, which it happens. You know, and uh, I'm sitting in this duplex, which I didn't even like, literally with my bags packed. The place was halfway empty, and I had already started putting things back in boxes because I knew I wasn't renewing. So I went, wow. I found the, so I went and I found what I thought was going to be the great apartment I wanted to look for. It was owned by a company that had apartments in 25 different cities, and they told me that uh, because they were all owned by the same company that I would have portability if I decided to move somewhere else because I wanted to keep that option open. They also had six different properties in the Las Vegas area if I wanted to move around town, and I got there, 
And within a year, that company sold off the property to some company that flips them. And I sat in that place for eight years. And uh, you know the one thing they could just never get right? What is it? The goddamn swimming pools were never open. <laughs> it was always one. And it was always one bullshit excuse after another. That's funny. I mean, I, I was spending I was spending more time on going through their various excuses why yet again this damn thing was closed when it was 123 degrees in Las Vegas, which is ideal for both day and night swimming. And um, and 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 at one point they had this manager who literally was having doors blown through walls uh, as an excuse to keep the pool closed longer. It's like, what is the freaking story here? Now, the mistake I made is I didn't pay enough attention to uh, maintaining certain documented finance levels because you know how it is when you rent something, you have to have three times running as your personal income. Well, you know, in the real world, when you're an entrepreneur, you don't need that to live comfortably. Right. So I then realize, okay, am I going to spend the rest of my life being pissed off about this? Or am I, and you're starting to see my energy about this whole thing. Uh -huh. Am I going to spend the rest of my life being pissed off about it? Or am I going to do something about it? So I figured out a way to um, create the financial picture I needed, even though the money was there, you know how it has to be represented a certain way. And then they want pay stubs and all this other crap. Well, um, I, uh, I, I put that all together and I moved to a place and this is where I've been now, but so far is working out great. I was here, uh, I'm here just over a year. Uh, last summer, everything went exactly according to plan. Uh, there was never any problem with me being able to use the amenities. They were always open. They take good care of it. They take good care of their residents. They're, they're on top of maintenance issues. I, I couldn't, I mean, for what I pay for rent, I couldn't ask for anything more. Let's put it that way. So, so it took me 10 years, but I finally created the vision that I had written down for what daily life in Las Vegas is going to look like. Now, that being 2013, I was going to a lot of seminars and conferences. I also, I also thought, I'm, I'm going to be going, going a lot. So when it came to the question of what pets I was going to have, I went with cats, obviously, instead of dogs. Because I love dogs and I love cats. Uh, dogs, you know, they're social. You, they need to be walked. And they need to play in the yard and things like that. Whereas the cat uh, sleeps 16 hours a day. And uh, they get to a point where they want you to leave. Right. <laughs> and, and, and our followers know that, uh, that my cats are ever-present. Uh, I call them my podcast producers. Uh, so I, I, love, I love them dearly. But uh, they do give me these looks of, dude, just get out, get, get out of our apartment for a while. And that's cool. So <laughs> now at the time, another piece of it was, is I'd be traveling a lot to those other three cities I mentioned. Uh, my top client and uh, one of my dearest friends, uh, who I love spending time with, uh, both lived in Los Angeles. Well, my client is now in San Diego, and that friend unfortunately passed away a couple years ago, God rest his soul. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't really have a reason to go to Los Angeles anymore. And since the pivots that have happened with the Covidian era and what that's done to live events <laughs> and combined with technology that has made it so much easier to get the fundamentals of why you would go to a seminar or a networking event online and learning how to master that using the chat rooms and such, I don't need to travel as much. But right. what's still but what's still there, and you know, I'm just gonna say this because we're a real podcast. Um I would love, and this is something I want to create, is I want to have 
the ability to travel without luggage to three different cities. I haven't identified what the other two are, but that's what I want. So I have a place there waiting for me, whether I invest in an Airbnb and just the times I want to be there, I take it off the market or um, or I get you know, some kind of timeshare apartments in those places or what have you. And uh, and I want to have different circles of friendship. Um, I want to have girlfriends in all those cities and um, and that. I mean, the girlfriends in different cities part I've already accomplished. It's just a matter yeah. I just don't get to travel as much. Um, I mean, so I have half of it. I just need the other half. So part of 2024 for me is about creating the financial situation so that I can have multiple residences in different states. Right. So rather, than, so rather than travel lots of seminars and conferences, my goal is to be able to travel and uh, have different experiences in different parts of the year. Awesome. Yeah. So, and the reason I shared all this real and raw like that is I want to give our listeners a perspective that even if you believe in reincarnation, you don't know for sure what you were in your past life. You don't know what you're going to be in your next life. This is the life you're living right now. Live it. Right. And that's part of what inspired me about speaking with you today is the opportunity to speak a bit about some of the ways you design and optimize your business to support this. And I love your philosophy about um, rather than uh, creating the um, business to support, if, if I get this right, correct me if I'm wrong, rather than the business to support your lifestyle, I'll create the lifestyle and then design the business. Did I get that right? Right, exactly. So define, and I'm big into people may or may not like the law of attraction or just visualizing what you want your life to look like. But when there's smoke, there's fire, and there's enough there that when you put out into the universe, here's exactly what I want my life to look like, your mind is going to find a way to make things happen. And so I do think that clearly defining and manifesting and putting yourself in that position, um, I know I could see myself on the summit of Kilimanjaro for a year before I went there. Um, uh-huh. I could feel what it felt like to get to the top of that mountain. And so doing that consistently is going to create a drive that's going to force you to build the business that has to be built to be capable of handling that type of situation. Yeah. I do think that that's worthwhile. And I also think a lot of people just don't take enough risk. I was listening to a podcast. I believe the guy's name is James Sexton. He's a divorce attorney. And he was talking about most people tiptoe through life to arrive safely at death. And uh-huh. it just rocked me the fact that, you know, why are we all playing it so safe so that we can have all this money stored up to pass to our kids? I mean, obviously, you don't want to leave financial ruin, but you want to enjoy some while you're here. And so why not you? There's people that are billionaires flying around on private jets just to go to a race and then heading back home. Why can't you take some time to enjoy your life? Uh-huh. So I think just belief in yourself and being willing to take some risks sometimes and think about, well, what's the worst that can really happen? Uh-huh. Is that is that more probable than my odds of success? I'm just jumping for it. Let me tell you a little bit about my friend in LA. He was a musician and a composer. 
And uh, he went through life. He never really had a lot of money. At one point, uh, when he was a top 40 artist, he had $5 million, but most of it went up his nose and the rest of it went on a racehorse. So, uh, and you know, this, and you know, uh, the stories from the early 80s and uh, a lot of those, uh, a lot of those uh, musicians we've all heard of and we've, uh, and we've made out listening to their songs at the prom and stuff like that. And you know, the song when it comes on the radio, he was one of those guys. And uh, I mean, he never, except for that brief period in his life, never really had a lot of wealth financially. But what he did have was the ability to do what made him truly happy, that if he wanted to decide he wanted to live somewhere else, he could just do that. If he found love in a different town, he could go pursue that affair. And he still had the ability to perform and entertain his fans and maintain those relationships so he still got to do that and along the way he had a lot of different multiple streams he had a lot of different entrepreneurial ventures uh, a lot of which uh is that uh, people are still surprised to find out like at <laughs> one point like at one point he was a distributor for olive oil and i was oh, wow. shocked i was shocked to learn that one because he didn't even tell me about that one but it's just because because a friend of mine because a, pr- a friend of his rather was um was in that business and he became a, a distributor for it so and when he passed on it was stated in the terms of his will i mean you mentioned rather than tiptoe through life to get to the end safely well let's mm-hmm. just say at the end of his life he donated his body to science literally because it was worth studying uh, you heard the whole thing about you know rather than tiptoe through life safely to end up in one piece of the destination um right. show up at your funeral completely wasted out that was him <laughs> and uh, and one of the things one of the things i loved hanging out about hanging out with him so much is he just had so much mirth um it, it was so inspirational and I want to have more of that in my life, and that's why right. I wanted to. Sp- and that's kind of why I wanted to speak with you a little bit. And I wanted to introduce you to our listeners because I think, especially here near the top of 2024, this is a message that a lot of people need to hear. So, so as we wrap up here, and we have about five minutes, um, just tell me what's next for Tyler. Yeah, so right now um, we are steadily hiring in my team. I've got about four or five strategic people that we're trying to place. We have drastically increased our ad spend. And it's one of those situations where I've gotten enough proof of concept. I've seen the business take off that I feel like it's time to burn the boats and really get aggressive about this. So Mm -hmm. last year was my time to get to go explore, find myself, have fun. Now it's the time to really build some separation, grow the business. Um, I do have some trips planned, but not nearly as (laughs) aggressive traveling as um, I was doing last year. So this year's a, a bit more serious. Um, I do have a kind of philanthropic endeavor we're working on right now. It's an endowment fund where we are taking donations from businesses, investing that into um, an endowment fund that will donate a percentage of the fund each and every year. And the idea is that we will earn enough off of the interest that it does not tap into the principal. And so I can build something that will be able to provide donations in perpetuity long past I'm gone. That's the idea. So we'll see if we're able to make that happen. But that's the goal. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So you're definitely worth somebody that's worth it for our listeners to get to know. And what I want to do is you have an invitation for our listeners, and I'm going to share that right now. So essentially, uh, anybody hears about you on the Business Creators Radio Show, and I urge all of our listeners, take Tyler up on this. You've you've heard him speak for an hour, and you know what he's talking about. So he's going to give you a free coaching call. Just mention that you were on the you heard him on the Business Creators Radio Show, and he also has some worksheets he can share with you where it'll help you walk you through how to build your dream life and then use the worksheets to analyze the time, identify the bottlenecks, and build the standard operating procedures to make that happen, to get yourself out of the vortex. Uh, take advantage of this. Even if you've already done an exercise like this, do this one because it's a new point of view and it may show, show you what you've missed up until now. Step outside of yourself. Give yourself this gift and go to win with C4. I'm going to spell that for you. W-I-N-W-I-T-H-C, the letter C, for the number four, dot com. You'll go there. You'll see a landing page. There's a big button right there that walks you through the steps. Go ahead and do that. And also, if you uh, missed that URL, winwithc4.com, just look in the notes. It's down there. And with that, Tyler, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and believe me in education. Thank you so much. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I look forward to getting to chat some more soon. We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.